Well, we want to welcome you if you are new with us. If you're new online, thank you so much for tuning in. Really cool, before this service, uh, before actually first service, Maxine Amen. That's her name, Maxine, and her last name is Amen. That's the best last name ever. Amen. Um, She's a missionary. She is an on-fire missionary, and um, she just got back from Africa not too long ago, and she showed me a picture of the, where she was ministering. They're tuning into our church. So your voices are being heard across the nation, across the continent of Africa. So sing well. <laughs> so sing well. But I just thought that that was so cool to see how God is at work. Well, again, we want to welcome you here. I'd like to pray for Dave real quick and his wife as they are doing that. I'd also like to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. It's been a little while since I've done the Lord's Prayer. So I'd like to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. If you're online, um, you can stay with us as well. So let's pray. Well, Father, we come before you this beautiful morning. God, we, again, thank you for the rains last night and the showers that you gave us here. And Lord, we come before you as we open your word now and dig into your word. May it come alive to us and just transform us from the inside out. Lord, we do lift, share to you and the loss of her mother and Dave as he ministers to his wife. Be with them, watch over them and care for them in this time and may your peace be upon their family. So Father, we come together as a church and we are so you, just so blessed to be united together Um, as a body of Christ. So we come together with one voice to pray that prayer that your son taught us to pray when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Now, you're never going to say amen again the same way. You're going to think of Maxine. So she's an amazing woman if you ever get to know her. Okay, so here's where we are and here's where we're going. If you're new with us, we're in a series called I Didn't See That Coming. And I'm going to actually finish this series next week. So next week, I'm going to finish it. The week after that is going to be Mission Sunday. So we're going to get focused on missions. It's going to be a great, powerful morning. The week after that, I'm going to finish. We started First Thessalonians. We finished First Thessalonians at the beginning of the summer. And I said I'd finish we'd go through 2 Thessalonians. We're going to do that. Then I'm going to, so that's when I'm going to start 2 Thessalonians. It's short, but it's loaded. Man of lawlessness, talks about the end times, crazy stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. It is going to be powerful. Excited? That is where we're headed. So get the word out and be excited. So how many of you enjoyed the rain last night? How many of you didn't see it coming? I didn't. Really? Did you know? It's like I woke up from my third nap and it was like cloudy outside. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? I can't be the only one that takes like two or three naps on a Saturday, right? I take it before the games start at halftime and then after the games. It's just, that's my, that's how it works. It was an unexpected gift, but it was a nice gift. And it's funny when it rains, like we turn into children. If you're not from Arizona, if you're watching from some other state or even other continents, when it rains here, we become children. It's like we get giddy and we run out in the rain and we stare at it, right? Because it rains so, it doesn't rain very much here. So we turn in, it's just like, it's just so much fun. But it was an unexpected gift. And one of the best things in life is watching people get unexpected gifts, Um, And the reason unexpected gifts are so oftentimes the best gifts is because they leave you feeling blessed, appreciated, encouraged, surprised. 
Um, it just gives you all these different emotions. Let me tell you about a story about a man who received an unexpected gift. It goes like this, and it's a true story because I saw it online. <laughs> makes, makes it true. Makes it true. It's, about, it's a story about a father who, um, about 20 or 30 years ago, and it is a true story, by the way, about 20 or 30 years ago, his family was going through a very difficult time financially, and so he sold his prized possession, which was his car. He sold his car, and he did it for his family, and it was a truly great example of what a father should do to care for his family. In a day and age where fathers are not taking care of their families, it stands as a powerful example of a man who stepped up and did what he needed to do to provide for his family. It was a great loss. He lost his prized possession, but he was happy to do it for his family. Where the story gets interesting is that later in life, um, as, this as his son, his family grew, one of his sons um, went and tracked down that car. Not just a car that was like it, he went and tracked down the exact car. And he got it, and he um, fixed it up, and he brought it and presented it to his father. And um, if, you, if you saw this, uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but the father was literally in tears when he got this car. It was just so amazing. He could not believe that his son went and tracked down not just a car like it, but he tracked down the actual car. An unexpected gift his dad never saw coming landed in his lap, and it just was an absolute joy to him. Now, I don't know how this man came up with the idea to give his father such a gift or even how he tracked down that car. Um, people are pretty amazing, uh, amazing in, in being able to do things like that. But it does stress this. People can be amazing, right? People can be amazing. It's an amazing example of a father who sacrificed and an amazing example of a son who went out of his way to bless his father with an unexpected gift. Now, here's why I tell you that. If you think that's amazing, and you should, because that's an incredible story, consider the truth expressed in this verse just for a second. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children or to your parents or to the ones that you love, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If you are, if you are amazed at what this son did for his father, and you should be, know that this son is a fallen man who can only give imperfect gifts. The God you and I follow, he's perfect. And he gives perfect gifts. He's the giver of good gifts. That is incredible. When it comes to being a generous gift giver, God is on a whole nother level. There is not a story that I could tell you in this lifetime about people giving gifts to one another that would even compare to what God has done for you and me and will do for you and me. James 1.17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, just like in the story that I just told you about the son and the father, the father of the son, the father got a gift he didn't see coming. Well, sometimes God gives his children gifts they never saw coming. And last night was a perfect example. If you're in Arizona, if you were in Tempe, or at least it poured here in Tempe, God gave us all a little gift last night that very few of us saw coming. And God does that. You know, we're just doing our own thing, and boom, all of a sudden, God blesses us with a gift from, you know, straight out of heaven, and it falls right in our laps. Now, that shouldn't come as a surprise to us. You want to know why? Unexpected gifts shouldn't come as a surprise because God... God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His timing is not our timing. So just when you 
you know, you're doing your own thing, and then God in his own timing and his own way blesses us. This is the way that God works, the God that you and I follow. We never know exactly where, when, or how God might bless us with a gift from heaven. But here's the danger. Here's the danger. The danger is we are so consumed with worldly events below that we don't even recognize the heavenly gifts being showered from on high. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, not me. I'm not the type of person that would ever miss a gift given to me. Want to bet? You want to bet? You might not miss a physical gift given by someone to you that's set in your face, but is it possible to miss a gift that God has set before you? Because God's gifts are unexpected. They don't always come wrapped in the way that we expect them. Now, if you need proof of this, that it is possible to miss a gift that God has given to you, there's no better example in the Bible than these people right here, the Pharisees. Now, you're immediately going to go, well, I'm not one of them. I'm not a Pharisee. You're not. Don't worry. Listen, the Pharisees literally had the greatest gift ever given to mankind standing right in front of them, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were oblivious to what God had just given them. They were absolutely oblivious. Now, what is so interesting about the Pharisees? You want to know what's so interesting? They were actually expecting this gift. This wasn't an, they were expecting this gift from heaven. They were well aware of the many prophecies throughout the Old Testament foretelling of a day that God would give this gift, a gift like no other. It would be a Messiah, a deliverer. He would be anointed and he would come to the nation of Israel. So it wasn't a matter of if they were going to get this gift. It was a matter of when they were going to get this gift. And because God is faithful to his promises, he delivered. There's just one little problem. The Pharisees missed it. The Pharisees missed the greatest gift ever given to mankind. Jesus literally standing in front of them, performing miracles in their very presence, and they missed the gift. You want to know one reason they missed the gift? It's not only that the gift was unexpected, it was unconventional. I mean, it was expected. They were expecting it, but I think the reason they really missed it was it was unconventional. And what do I mean by that? Again, God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. The Pharisees were expecting a conventional Messiah. You know, a strong warrior, a military, and a political leader. Someone who would take the bulls by the horn and make Israel great amongst the nations. But what they got was exactly the opposite. They got a Messiah who came not to conquer the Romans, but a Messiah who came to conquer sin. And this unconventional Messiah conquered sin in the most unconventional of ways by laying his life down, dying on the cross, taking the punishment that you and I deserved. You know what else they got? They got a Messiah who was building a spiritual kingdom, not a physical kingdom. And he was building it not with those who were self-righteous, but rather with those who were poor in spirit, those who were broken inside. On top of that, they got a Messiah who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. It was a gift from heaven, but the Pharisees missed it. The Pharisees were so caught up in worldly ways of thinking, and their worldly ways of thinking were this. God is going to do worldly things in our presence. He's going to make Israel great. He's going to send a Messiah, and the Messiah is going to make the nation of Israel amazing. They got so caught up in worldly ways of thinking, they missed the greatest gift ever given. 
And here's why this is important. All that in way of introduction, every, all eyes up here. If you don't get anything from my sermon, get what I'm about to say right now. Are you ready? And I'm not kidding. Here it is. If it is possible to miss the greatest gift given by God, it is possible to miss any gift given by God. And you're sitting here going, no, 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 not me. I won't be the one who misses the gifts that God sets before me. Want to bet? Want to bet? Listen, we can cast stones at the Pharisees because their worldly ways of thinking caused them to be blind to the gift that God had given them. They were looking for a physical, they were looking for a Messiah that would do physical, great, build a physical kingdom, and they got a, a Messiah that was building a spiritual kingdom. But if we are not careful, folks, we will fall into the same trap in this generation where God is literally blessing us with gifts from on high, but we are so focused on what is happening in Washington and what is happening with the pandemic and what is happening with face masks that we lose sight of the gifts that God has set before us. <gasps> Uh-oh. Is that possible? Is it possible that my eyes are so focused on Washington that I'm missing the gifts that are coming down from the throne of heaven? Now, again, before you think to yourself, no, 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 not me, Bill. Not me. I love getting gifts. And there's no way I'd ever miss a gift that God would give to me. I would never be so focused on worldly events like they were in the first century that I would miss the gifts coming down from heaven. Consider this for just a moment. The Pharisees the religious leaders, were living at a time not unlike ours. Like us, they were living at a time when political tensions were high. And by the way, if you think political tensions are high now, I would put what they were up against in the first century against ours any day. Any day. The Roman Empire had conquered, had conquered the world and was seeking to keep the, this little outpost called Jerusalem in order, in line. Political tensions were high, and the threats of riots and unrest was very much real. This is what Herod and the rulers of Jerusalem worried, that there would be an uprising amongst the people. They, wanted, they didn't want that to happen. So they were living at a time when there was political un unrest and riots. Sound familiar? Not only that, they were also living at a time when racial tensions were at a boiling point. Don't believe me? Listen, the racial tensions between Jews and Gentiles in the first century could easily rival or surpass any racial tensions we are experiencing in this generation. I mean it. And again, not unlike what we are experiencing today, the Roman government was more than willing to do what it needed to do to keep people in line. If you think our government is overstepping in its attempt to maintain control, consider for a moment that the Romans would crucify tens of thousands of people and leave them hanging on the roads all around the Roman Empire as a message, you stay in line or this is what happens to you. Why do I tell you all that? Here's why I tell you all that. If those circumstances led those people living in the first century to, to be so fixated on worldly things that they missed the greatest gift ever given, what is to say that the circumstances that we are facing in this generation, where there is political and racial and riots, tension everywhere, that we aren't so focused here that we miss what's coming from here? What if? Is it possible? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Bill, what gifts might God be giving to his children in this generation that we might be missing? Because I'd like to know. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> While everyone was focused on all the crazy stuff happening over the last year and a half in this country and around the world, you know what God was busy doing? God was busy refining his church. 
God was busy refining his church, his bride. He was making her more beautiful than ever. Listen, all the political and social turmoil that has brought great division to this country has actually brought great clarity and unity within the church. Don't believe me? For example, over the past year and a half, it has become incredibly clear. Tell me if I'm not wrong here. It has become incredibly clear which churches are going to stand strong on the true gospel and which are going to bow the knee to the social gospel. Has it not? It has. And folks, that is a gift from God. That is a gift from God. The church, I think people, I think the Christian church was shocked here in America and perhaps around the world to to go, I'm in a church where the leadership won't stand strong on the true gospel and is now bowing the knee to this thing called the social gospel. Just as the prosperity gospel has influenced the church, there's a new gospel called the social gospel. And we are so, we can be so fixated on what's going on in society that we can miss that God is doing a beautiful thing. Because you know what? I honestly believe this. Churches like this, you guys are sharper than ever. This church is sharper than ever. We now know, we see with great clarity the difference between the prosperity gospel and the true gospel, the social gospel and the true gospel. Amen? Amen. This is a gift from God. This is a gift from God to you and to me. Did you see it? It landed in our lap this past year. The church might be smaller than it was pre-pandemic, but it is stronger than it was pre-pandemic. I really believe that. We are few, but we are strong. And that is a gift from God. But my fear is that many believers, including myself, might have missed this. Because like those living in Jerusalem in the first century, we're so consumed with worldly outcomes and worldly affairs, we miss the gifts that are being bestowed upon us from heaven on high. So, one time, John chapter 5, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. <gasps> he just took my picture when I did that. I'm like, <laughs> that'll be on Facebook. Did you hear the cam- camera click? <laughs> Come here, great preaching. <laughs> Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, John chapter 5. And it was an unexpected gift to this man, for sure. And it was an unexpected gift to anybody that saw it or heard about it in the first century. Um, But instead of praising God for this, the Pharisees, you know what they did? They condemned Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. Not only did they not recognize the greatest gift ever given, they were condemning Jesus for doing, giving gifts on the Sabbath healing a man on the Sabbath. They're condemning him. But what's fascinating is what Jesus says to them in that moment. He basically says, I'm the greatest gift ever, gift ever given, and here I'm giving gifts. I'm bestowing gifts. Even on the Sabbath, I'm healing people. And the Pharisees are condemning him. And you know what he says to them in that moment? He says, make right judgments. For heaven's sakes, make right judgments. Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. Jesus is telling them, stop being so worldly and look what God is doing in your presence and you're missing it. And if you think, well, that could happen to them, not to me. Is that right? I got to be honest with you. I have been so focused on what has been happening in the world that I'm afraid I am missing what God is doing in this generation. I mean it and it scares me. Bill, make right judgments. And that is so true when it comes to the gifts that God showers upon us. If we are not careful, we can make poor judgments, worldly judgments, fleshly judgments about what's happening in the world. 
And we can get caught up in the world and start acting like the world and miss what God is doing, the beautiful work that he's doing in our very presence. The church might be smaller pre-pandemic, but folks, it is stronger. It is refined. It is understanding what is important. And what is important is the protection of the gospel. You do realize that much of the New Testament is written simply to defend the gospel. I tell people all the time, if you want to be on the front line of ministries, you want to know where it is, it is defending and protecting the gospel. The gospel is under attack a thousand different ways every day. And just as soon as, I mean, we have the prosperity gospel, the social gospel, the feminist gospel. Once these, trust me, there's more gospels coming, false gospels coming. But more so than ever, I believe that the church is stronger than ever. The church is now seeing just how vicious our enemy is and how alert and awake we have to be. I think the church is more awake than it's ever been. Folks, that's a gift from God. That is a gift from God. But I don't want to be making poor worldly fleshly judgments where I'm so focused on what's happening in Washington that I miss what's happening in the throne of heaven. And so instead of praising God with, thankful, with a thankful heart, I grumble and complain. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or complaining. You know why I know that verse? Because when I was in youth group as a kid, they said 2.14 it. Philippians 2.14, if you grumbled or complained, they would just say 2.14 it. 2.14 it. And we knew you're grumbling or complaining. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Listen, do you want to know how easy it is to grumble and complain? Let me biblically show you how easy it is to grumble and complain. You might be sitting here and going, I don't grumble and complain. But you're grumbling and complaining that you feel like the sermon's going to be too long. I know it. I can see it in your eyes. I can feel it in your heart. Consider these people. Israel. They're in slavery for 400 years. Remember, go back 2,000 years, you're at the time of Christ. How many years do you go back to when, uh, pardon me, uh, you go back 1,000 years, you're at the time of David, and then go back another about 500 years, four or 500 years, you're at the time in which God is leading the Israelites, 1500 BC, when he's leading them out of slavery in Egypt. So God is leading the Israelites out of 400 years in slavery. That's a pretty incredible gift, don't you think? Yeah, you're, you're slaves, and then all of a sudden you're free. Listen, we take our freedom for granted in this country. It's, it's a great thing. Being a free people is one of the most cherished things that we have. The fact that we can gather as Christians without the fear of any reprisal, that we can praise God's name. I mean, it's just incredible the freedom that we've been given. But imagine one night you're a slave and the next day you're free. You would be just, it would be like, wow, thank you, God. What a gift. Not only did God set them free, he did miracles in their presence. They got to see the 10 plagues. They got to see just Moses at work, God at work. They literally had a front row seat at a time in world history where God is like, watch me go to work. Watch me go to work. Do you want to know how else God blessed the Israelites? They, went, they not only went from slaves to free people, they went from poor to wealthy overnight. Did you know that? Exodus chapter 12, the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. They went from poor to free, pardon me, they went from slaves to free and poor to rich overnight. God's good, isn't he? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give good gifts to those who ask him? They had been crying out for God to deliver them from slavery, and he gave them that gift in his time and in his way. Sent them an unexpected person by the name of Moses who was afraid to talk, who performed miracles, 
God delivered them and made them wealthy in the process. That's an incredible gift. Not only that, God had told them, God does so much more for them. Not only is he taking them out of slavery and giving them wealth, he's leading them to a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. That sounds good, doesn't it? Going to a land of milk and honey. And this is really only the start. The Israelites were going to see a bunch of other stuff. They were going to see God thunder from Mount Sinai. They were going to see God part the Red Sea and destroy Pharaoh's army. They were going to see stuff that other generations could only dream about. One gift after another being poured upon this nation. Surely the Israelites would be a people overflowing with thankfulness, right? Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think so. Sadly, though, that's not the case. Because even in the midst of God just, I mean, I mean, God's just like, this isn't just going to be some gifts. This is gift after gift from heaven. This is what happens. And the whole congregation, not just some of them, all of them, of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the, in the land of Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to, to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Really, after all that God just did for you, all that you got to see, you're a little bit hungry and this is going to happen? It did. Folks, that is how easy it is to grumble and complain. And that is why Philippians 2.14, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Imagine being a part of the Israelites and complaining. You want to know what? It's not that hard to imagine. Because guess who does it all the time? Me. Living in a land flowing with milk and honey, freedom and wealth. Just more freedom than, and wealth than these guys ever had. And who can grumble and complain in the midst of that? Me. Me, 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 me. It doesn't take much for me to grumble and complain. After all that God bestows upon you and I every day, we have freedom, we have wealth, we have, I mean, the list could just go on and on and on. It would put this generation to shame. And I look at them and I go, idiots, I can't believe that they would complain in the midst of that. What's wrong with them? And then I go home and I grumble and complain all the way home. I get behind you on the road and I grumble and complain at your driving. The truth is, God has been blessing me personally and the church corporately over the last year and a half in, with unexpected gifts from on high, not the least of which is he's been refining his church and beautifying, making her beautiful. He's taking, he's, listen, our numbers are down because people have left the church. So be it. But the body that remains is strong. It is refined. We are seeing how the gospel has been under attack and we have rallied together and unified together to protect it, to protect the true gospel. Yet I'm pretty sure I spent more time grumbling and complaining about all that's wrong with the world over the last year and a half than I have been praising God. That's a time of confession for me. You want to know another incredible gift that God has given his church during the last year and a half? An unprecedented opportunity to share the gospel. That's a gift. Let me prove it to you. We are literally living in a world full of people, non-believers, who are becoming increasingly disillusioned with what the world has to offer. They're looking at the governments of the world and going, is this as good as it gets? 
Because let's face it, the governments of the world, not just the United States, but the governments of the world are stumbling over themselves to make stupid decisions in many regards. Forgive me, that's as political as I'm going to get. And I said, and, and it's, don't get me started. <laughs> Literally, the people of this world are ripe to be told about the kingdom of God because they have become so disillusioned with the kingdoms of this world. You know what that is, folks? That's a gift to you and me. That is a gift to you and me. That is a gift if ever there was one. And Lord willing, we who are the bride of Christ will see it as such and praise and thank God for this wonderful gift that he has given to us. God has been blessing this church, not this, this church, the church in general, over the last year and a half. And if it's possible to miss the greatest gift ever given by God, it is possible to miss any gift given by God. And I'm talking corporately about the church, but I could talk about us as individuals. Do you think it is possible, if you thought long and hard, that God has blessed you with gifts that you have missed over the last year and a half? Somebody that he's brought into your life, somebody that he's removed from your life, something, a new opportunity that he presented to you, maybe an opportunity that he took away from you, but has God blessed you with something? But because we're so fixated on Washington and masks and politics and racial tensions that we're missing what is coming down from the, from the glories of heaven. Again, if it's possible to miss the greatest gift ever given by God, it is possible to miss any gift given by God. Let's not be like those in the first century. Let's have eyes to see what God is doing in this generation. Amen? One final thought about how incredibly easy it is to lose sight of all that God does for us. You're familiar with this man, David, okay? Remember, go back 2,000 years, we're at the time of Christ. Go back another 1,000 years, we're at the time of David. And then if you go back another 500 years before that, we're at the time of the Exodus. So we're at 1,000 BC, King David. David's the second king of Israel. And as you know, David is, David is famous for many things, but one of the things that he is most famous for is that he committed adultery with a woman by the name of Bathsheba, and he killed her husband Uriah to cover up his tracks. What most people don't know or fail to realize is what God said to David in that moment. It was about a year later that God, about a year later that God sent the prophet Nathan to him. So David remained in a state of unrepentance for a while until God sends the prophet Nathan to him. And Nathan comes to him and rebukes him. And you know what the Lord says through the prophet Nathan to David? He says this, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul and I gave you, your master's house, and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. David, you have lost sight of how good that I have been to you. I have blessed you with one unexpected gift, one unconventional gift after another from heaven. You were a shepherd boy. You became king. You were poor. Now you're rich. You have incredible wealth, incredible influence. David, you have lost sight of all that I have given to you. And now, David, because you have lost sight of what I have given to you, you are acting no different than the pagan world around you. Incredible. 
All of those unexpected gifts that God showered upon David had become unimportant memories in David's mind. (laughs) And you think, no, no, that won't happen to me. That won't happen to me. David had lost, not only lost sight of how much God had graciously given to him, David had lost sight of how much more God was willing to give to him. Instead of overflowing with thanksgiving for being made king of Israel and being stowed with wealth and influence and power and everything that David had, David was a man who acted, again, no differently than the pagan world around him. And you know what that is, folks? That is a powerful reminder that if it can happen to David, it can happen to me. You might not see yourself. Remember earlier I talked about the Pharisees? The Pharisees missed the greatest gift ever given. And if it's possible to miss the greatest gift ever given by God, it is, it is possible to miss any gift given by God. The problem with that is many of us are not going to identify with the Pharisees. We're going to go, no, 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 not me. I would never do what they did. They are the Pharisees after all. You know who this was? This was a man after God's own heart. And if it can happen to a man after God's own heart, it can happen to anyone. That God will be doing a mighty work in our presence God will be bestowing us gifts from on, hev- from on high to his bride, to his church. And we are so wrapped up in politics and racial tensions and masks and mandates that we lose sight of what God is doing in our presence, not only corporately as a church, but individually in our families and in our own lives. I see the church today smaller, but more powerful, smaller, but more beautiful, maybe not as many numbers in the And I'm not talking just this church. I'm talking in churches across America. The church, by all worldly standards, might have taken a hit over the last year and a half, but only by worldly standards. But by God's standards, he's been bestowing gifts upon his church, making his bride beautiful, refined, strong, bold. Amen? He's setting opportunities before us to preach the gospel to a people who are so disillusioned by the world, they're looking to anyone just to open their mouths and say, let me tell you something you need to know. There is a king and a kingdom that will not fade, that will not be corrupt, that will last forever. These are the opportunities that God has set before you and me. If it is possible to miss the greatest gift ever given by God, it is possible to miss any gift given by God. If you're not one of the Pharisees, if you don't identify with them, identify with this guy, a man after God's own heart, lost sight of what God had given to him. By the way, David wrote many of the Psalms. One of the Psalms that he wrote was Psalm 103, and David wrote it most likely in response to having been confronted by Nathan. And you know what David wrote in Psalm 103? Let me, let, let's let him tell us. This is what David writes after being confronted by Nathan the prophet. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and say it with me, forget not all his benefits. David's like, I'm not going to let that happen again. I am not going to lose sight of what God is doing in me and for me and through me. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to lose sight of this. I'm not going to get caught up in worldly affairs and worldly things to the point where I miss what God is doing in my presence. I'm not going to do it. Forget not all his benefits. And then he begins to rattle them off. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your disease? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good 
so that your youth uh, satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And the list could go on and on and on. I'm sure David could sit and praise God after that event, after being rebuked by God for having lost sight of all that God had done for him. David now becomes a man of praise, forgetting not what God is doing. Not letting his eyes get so fixated on what is happening in the world that he misses what God is doing from on high. So I ask you this morning, is it possible that we could be a generation of God's children that miss the good that he's doing in our very presence? It's possible. But let's not let it happen. Amen? Let's not let it happen corporately as a church, and let's not let it happen to us individually. Listen, folks, there's a lot to complain about in the world. But the Bible says do all things without grumbling or complaining. Let's not be like the Israelites. Let's not be like David, who lost sight of all that God had given to him and all that God would give to him. Let's not do that either. And certainly, let's not be like the Pharisees, who missed the greatest gift ever given, because they were so wrapped up in worldly thinking that they missed the greatest gift ever given. What I want you to do this week is just stop and reflect. It's been a hard year and a half, two years here in this country and around the world. And I honestly don't know where we're headed, but I do know this. God is going to be good and faithful to his children. Amen? And he's going to continue to be good and faithful to us. He's going to continue to refine us. And if we look at what's happening to our personal lives or the church from a worldly perspective, we might very well be like those in the first century and miss what God is doing. Let's not let that happen. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come before you. And God, we can look at those living in the first century, the religious leaders, and mock them and make fun of them and go, how could they miss the greatest gift ever given? But God, if it is possible to miss the greatest gift ever given, it is possible to miss any gift ever given by you. And God, then we think of David. How could David forget what you had done for him? You had taken him from a shepherd boy to a king. You had taken him from having nothing to great wealth and power. You had given him so much and you would have given him so much more, but he lost sight of that. All of those unexpected gifts had become unimportant memories to him. But Lord, if it could happen to David, it can happen to us. God, in a day and age where everyone is grumbling and complaining, everyone, may we stand out. The very next verse in Philippians says, do all things without grumbling or complaining that you may shine as stars in a crooked and wicked generation. God, may your church shine brightly in the days and weeks ahead as we are a people blessing your name, praising your name, forgetting not all your benefits. God, help us to have thankful hearts for what you're doing in our lives. It's not always easy, but God, help us not to miss those personal gifts that you send to each of us each and every day. Let us wake up and just be thankful that we have the sun to shine on our face, that we have eyes to see, ears to hear. God, that we live in such a free country. God, let us be a thankful people. And God, most importantly, let us preach the gospel, the true gospel with boldness. In a day and age where the gospel is under attack, let us proclaim it, proclaim the true gospel with boldness. And God, in a day and age where people are starving for something better, something more, God, may we proclaim the kingdom of heaven. And God, may the harvest be great. We love you. We thank you.
And we pray these things in your son's name. And everybody said with me, amen. God bless you. We will see you right here next week. You guys have a great day.